0: Today, we are beginning a four-week series on on what it means to share the good news of Jesus, and we're calling it Love and Light, the love of Jesus, the light of Jesus, sharing the good news like Jesus, and Jesus, uh, if you are new to, to him, he came announcing the good news, the good news of the kingdom of God, he came with this great news, and God's light and love for the world had really arrived in him. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be asking the question, how can we be active participants in sharing Jesus' love and Jesus' light to the world? And for the next four weeks, we are going to be asking, how can we move away from fear and frustration to joy and authenticity as we share about Jesus with those that we love, with our friends, with our family, with our city? Each of our four weeks in September, we'll be learning to share the good news like Jesus. And so if you are new to him, if you're new to Jesus, uh, you might be puzzled right at this moment, <laughs> confused, because you'd be going, why would I be interested in a four-week series on sharing a faith that I don't believe in? Right? Why, why am I here? Why would I be interested in four weeks uh, about sharing about a faith I'm just exploring, And so that's a good question, and we're glad that you're here. But let me say two things. If you are new to Christianity, let me say this. First of all, I'm so glad you're here, because each of the next four weeks, you are going to be hearing from some of my friends who, in the last couple years, two to three years, have encountered Jesus for the very first time. And they're going to come on this stage, and they're going to share their stories. And I hope that it's encouraging for you to hear their stories of what God has done in their life. And how God has poured his love into their, into their life. So I can't wait for that. But secondly, I hope that you catch some joy. Keyword is joy and hope. The, the, the joy that many of us have when it comes to Jesus. And I hope that you'll, you'll taste some of the goodness of Jesus. And once you truly see him, uh, that you too would want to be changed by him, And that you would want to share the good news with others in your life. And so that's my hope. Um, I want to pray as we dive into this. Uh, I want to make an announcement, though, really quick. uh, There's a little tribe of us who every Tuesday morning gather uh, to study the Bible. And we gather at 6.30 a.m. And uh, every time I make that announcement, usually there's a bit of a groan. Uh, Maybe it wasn't. uh, Maybe you didn't groan. You didn't groan. Thank you. Uh, 6.30 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. If you like coffee and you like the Bible, um, you're welcome to join us. We're going through the book of James from 6.30 to 7.45 every Tuesday morning here in the chapel. Don't come this Tuesday or next Tuesday because there will be no one here. But it starts on September 19th, and uh, we get into groups of three. Uh, We call them apprentice groups, uh, groups of three. And so we study the Bible. We have a discussion about the, the passage. We talk about our lives, and we pray for one another. And then at 7.45, everyone heads to work. Or school, So that's a lot of fun. If you want to know more, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, But that's Tuesday mornings. But let me pray for our four-week series uh, as we we begin today on this long weekend to see what Jesus would want to say and do among us. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here and you promise to be with your people. And you have come with such great news for the world. And we pray that the next four weeks we would catch that joy, the joy and the hope we have. And God, I pray that some in this room in the next four weeks would would maybe give their lives to you for the first time. And some in this room would, would, would feel uh, drawn to you um, and the hope that they can have in you. But Lord, all of us, may all of us catch the joy of sharing um, this beautiful life that you've given us with others. So we pray that each of us, that it would become contagious among us, that this joy would be Um, something that just permeates our church as we think about our city and the many people we love, that they would come to know you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, by the way, I just want to say, I was just chatting with a bunch of you here. There's a lot of good people in the room right now. If you ever want to be in a room with a lot of good people, you're in it. And you're here, so it's good. Um, and I hope, that, I hope that as relationships begin this fall, that you'll find that you're starting to get to know some people around you, or you're getting plugged into a group. Because we really believe here at North Langley that you cannot follow Jesus alone. It's not about being a lone ranger. It's about following Jesus in a community of those that love you and know you. So I hope that as this fall kicks off, that um, you'll be intentional about taking a step towards some kind of community. Um, but let me ask this, uh, I've asked this before, it was about four years ago I asked this question, but how many of you know the name Albert McCain? Albert McCain, anyone know that name? Anyone know that name? If, if, if a couple of you do, um, you, just are get the, you won the prize because very few people know that name. How many of you know the name Billy Graham? Billy Graham, okay, hopefully most of you in the room know the name Billy Graham. Billy Graham, one of the most influential preachers of our age. He uh, shared the good news of Jesus with millions of people around the world in the 20th century. But who's Albert McCain? Who's he? Well, Albert McCain is uh, a very simple fellow who invited Billy Graham to encounter Jesus. And so Christianity Today describes the connection between the two men. um, And what happened when Billy Graham was just 16 years old? Listen to the story. The story of Billy Graham's conversion is well-known in the fall of 1934. Mordecai Ham, a Kentucky-born Baptist revivalist. Pause. Is that not the coolest name on the planet? Mordecai Ham. That is the best name. I love it. So he's this Kentucky-born revivalist. Okay. Came to Charlotte and preached a powerful sermon. The revival stretched over weeks, and for the first week or so, the Grahams didn't attend. Billy was persuaded to check out Ham by Albert McCain, one of his father's most trusted employees. There, in response to Ham's powerful teachings about sin, Billy famously made a decision for Christ. Later that night, standing in the Graham's breakfast room with fixings, fixings, I love that, fixings for a sandwich, Billy shared his experience with his family. Putting down his sandwich, he turned to Morrow and said, oh, mother, I've been saved tonight. Now, none of us know Albert McCain, right? And nobody, let's say, quote-unquote, deeply loved by God, but a nobody on the stage of world history, right? But he was just a normal employee on a normal farm, right? But he gave a simple invitation to a 16-year-old named Billy. Come and see. Come and see. Come check out Jesus. (laughs) See for yourself. You know, sure, Albert was inviting Billy to see a preacher, right? But that's not really who Albert was inviting Billy to see. This was about Jesus, What Albert McCain was saying was this, Billy, come and see Jesus. Come and see the good news. Come and see the love of God. When we talk about the word evangelism, most of us in the room are a little scared by the term. A recent Angus Reid study showed that only 29% of religiously committed people in Canada viewed evangelism positively. Well, why is that? Well, it's probably not rocket science. Why, why are we afraid of that word, evangelism? Because it, it carries some baggage with it. it. It feels like it's a marketing campaign, right? Or a pushy, someone who's pushy, a door-to-door salesman. Or we feel like we're going around promoting some kind of pyramid scheme or something like that, right? But, but let me frame it this way. If you, it, it, this is sharing about Jesus It's it's not about pushy sales techniques or whatever it is. That's not it. It should be anchored in love. It's It's about love. It's about loving someone, loving Jesus, and loving someone else in your life enough to want to share about that love. It's this relationship of love. And if you love something, don't you want to share it with somebody you care about? If you love something, don't you want to share it with someone you care about? Of course we do. We do this all the time. When Tanya and I were were just dating, uh, actually, I think it was even before we were dating, interested in one another, um, I I realized she had never seen the Star Wars trilogy, and she realized I had never seen the Anne of Green Gables uh, (laughs) hours and hours of that. So we were like, oh, let's watch one Star Wars one night. So we were hanging out with a bunch of friends. Uh, we went to Trinity Western. So there was a bunch of friends. Then, oh, we go to uh, a, another person's house and watch Anne of Green Gables*. And anyway, it was not fair because *Star Wars* is much shorter than Anne of Green Gables*. Um, and so, anyway, so but you're sharing these things. You're like, I want you to know this that I love. And then she's like, I want to know. I want you to see this. When I when uh, in those early in my early twenties when I was diving into bands that I love. I would find one, and I'd want to share it with Tanya. I'd buy her a copy. Bands like Cigarose or Radiohead, or you know, Polyphonic Spree, or you know, Postal Service, Death Gap for Cutie, all these bands. I would always want to send her a copy so that she could hear the music. Or my own hometown, right? I'm from Oklahoma. And so I remember the first couple times Tanya came to visit my family in Oklahoma, and I got to show her the places I went to school and my favorite places where I eat. And uh, that's a good thing. People are like, I always drive through Oklahoma. I'm like, listen. Oklahoma has two great things, wonderful people and incredible food at very low cost. And so I would encourage you to travel there one day um, to get to know my home state. It's like, it's, it's wonderful and you want to share that. And so I want to just frame this is to, to, to go, this is normal. Like, like if you love something, you want to share it, right? You do. And it's just natural. It's almost not natural if you don't talk about it. And, and for us who have fallen in love with Jesus, those of us who have received the love and life of Jesus, it starts to actually become awkward when we don't talk about it, right? Because it's like, like why would I not talk about the, the one who died for me, who gave his life for me, the one in whom I'm finding freedom and hope and joy and grace and forgiveness? Like at some point that gets awkward because I so love him and he has transformed me. So why do we do this? Why do we share? Well, it's because we are thankful. It's because you and I are thankful for what Jesus has done in our lives. Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, says it this way, quote, gratitude is why we do it, because we can't help it. Why are we seeking to share the good news of Jesus Christ? It is because we've received, catch this, we've received without payment an inestimable gift, which will not stay still in our hands. (laughs) Picture that. It won't stay still in your hands. You've got, it, it, it's falling out of your hands, <laughs> the good news of Jesus. It's like, oh, i got to get rid of this because i got to share this. It's, it's got to be passed on to somebody else. We are thankful, and in that thankfulness that we've received such love, such deep, merciful love, we want to share him with those that we love. It's all about love. Evangelism doesn't need to be scary. And as I've said multiple times here at the church, evangelism is a word that we get from the Greek language. And in the Greek, it's the word euangelion. Euangelion simply means good news. It's good news. And it's the word that the Roman Empire would use as it would send out runners throughout the empire to announce good news, right? So the Caesar, good news, you know? Um, Caesar won a war, right? Good news. Uh, Caesar has had a, you know, a child who will be Caesar one day, right? So the New Testament writers pick up this term and they go, well, good news. There's a new king on the throne. That's Jesus. Good news. The king has died for the world and, and forgives the world of its sins. Good news, right? So it's euangelion. That's, that's where we get the word evangelism. And so it's simply saying, come and see Jesus. That's it. I want to tell you a story from the scriptures, and if you're, if you're new to the Bible, um, this, this story happens early on in the life of Jesus, as he's just beginning his three years of preaching. He started to call a group of followers to himself, and he would come up to each one of them and say, would you follow me? And he'll te- he'll, he's going to teach them. He was going to transform their lives. And uh, he goes to one man named Philip, and he says to Philip, follow me. And so Philip begins to follow Jesus and he becomes transformed by Jesus. He starts to learn from Jesus. And we see Philip go tell his brother, Nathaniel, all about Jesus. And he's like, you've got to come meet this guy. You've got to come meet Jesus. Um, now, these, these guys don't know much about Jesus so far in the story. So when Philip tells his brother, Nathaniel, that Jesus is from a little town called Nazareth, Nathaniel freaks out right? Because he's like, Nazareth, nothing good can come from that small town. Which is how snobby big city people treat people from small towns. Can Can I see your hand if you're from a small town? Are you from a small town? Look at all these wonderful people from small towns. You know what? We don't know the name of your small town, but we love you, right? You know why it's a good town? Because you came from it. Right? You came from it. And so this is what, this is what N- uh, Nathaniel says. He goes, Nazareth, John one forty six. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. I love this sentence in the Bible. You see, can anything good come from there? That's the question that maybe some of you in the room are asking about Jesus. Can anything good come from Jesus? Can anything good come from the church? Can anything good come from Christianity? That's the question. It's a good question. And it's one you're asking, right? And what does Philip say? He says, come and see. Philip doesn't have to, like, pressure, right? He doesn't have to do anything. All he has to do is invite. Say, well, check it out. See, see with your own eyes. And maybe that's why you're in the room today. You're going, okay, I'll come check it out. I'll come see if there's anything to this Jesus person. You see, some of our neighbors and friends and coworkers and family members may be highly skeptical of Jesus, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Jesus or Christianity or the church? But our role is simply to say, like Philip said, come and see. Our loved ones may be willing to check out who Jesus is. Why? Because they love us. They trust us, like Nathaniel trusted Philip. See, the good news of Jesus has always been passed on through ordinary individuals who love one another. This is not a marketing campaign, please. This is about one person loving another. James Lawrence writes this. He says, quote, The majority of people who come to faith in Christ do so because someone they know shows and shares, that's going to be key. We're going to look at that in the next few weeks. Shows with their own life, but also shares with their words, their faith with them, however falteringly, (laughs) totally, right? We're not going to do this right. We're going to kind of trip over ourselves sometimes. The words aren't going to be perfect. Our invitation might be awkward. It's okay. We're not going to do it perfectly, but we'll be pointing people to someone we love dearly. So listen to Philip. Come and see. It's so simple. One brother to another brother. And now here's the deal. Nathaniel eventually meets Jesus, which is cool. He took Philip up on his offer. He comes, he encounters Jesus. And what Jesus says to Nathaniel, I love this, is one of the most radical things I believe Jesus ever promised a human being. He says this in John 1:51. He says, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. At this point, your head should explode. And let me tell you why. This is an unbelievable promise from Jesus. What's it about? Well, just so you know, this is a hyperlink to what we call the Old Testament. Hyperlink, right? You click it on an email, and it takes you somewhere completely different. So Jesus is pointing Nathaniel to a story that had happened 1,800 years before Jesus, 1,800 years. Jesus is taking Nathaniel back in, in his mind to the story of Jacob's ladder that we read in Genesis chapter 28. Some of you may know the story. For those that don't, let me explain it to you. It's a beautiful story. There's a man named Jacob, and he had really hurt his brother Esau, and, and he ran away. He ran away from home. He was afraid of his brother Esau. And Jacob ran out into the wilderness, and it's nighttime. And he's alone in the wilderness, and it's at night. Just picture this in your mind. And he lays down to sleep. But in his, as he lays down to sleep, he, he has a vision. And in his vision at night, he sees the heavens open and a ladder coming down out of heaven. It's a wild vision. <laughs> Can you see it in your mind? And on that ladder, angels were going up and down the ladder. Up and down the ladder. And So what is that about? (laughs) It's that in this spot where Jacob was sleeping at night, the heavens were opening. And it was like at that spot, humans would encounter the heavens. It's like heaven would come to earth right there in that spot. And the place became known as Bethel. Some of you have heard that term, Bethel. When you split the word up, it's Beth-el, which is house of God. House of God. That place became known as the house of God. That spot, that territory right there. And Bethel became a center of worship for the people of Israel. It was where the people of Israel could come and encounter God. The Ark of the Covenant was stationed there for many years. And so this was a place, if you want to encounter God, if you want to come to the house of God, come to Bethel. Now... What does this have to do with Jesus and Nathanael? Well, fast forward 1,800 years. What's Jesus saying to Nathanael? He's saying that ladder in that vision, right, where heaven opens up and where people can somehow start to know God, right? That ladder is no longer coming down on a piece of real estate in Israel. That ladder is coming right down upon me, says Jesus. It's on me. You want to see the heavens opened up? Come to me. You want to know the love of God? Come to me. You want to come into the house of God? Come to me. You want to know the forgiveness and grace and mercy and healing and life-changing transformation of God? Come to me. It's no longer about a building. It's no longer about a piece of property in Israel. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. He's claiming to be the house of God. And why does that matter? Why does it matter? Because if you want to know the love of God, the life of God, the hope of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, you find it in Jesus. Jesus is the very place where heaven and earth meet. So why does this matter? When we, like Philip, invite someone we love to meet Jesus, that's what we're inviting them to. We're inviting, them in, we're inviting them to the one, Jesus, who can reveal the love of God. We're, literally, we're inviting them to the one in whom God is pouring his life out on the world. Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet, where we taste God's life and his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his hope and his reconciliation and his mercy. And who doesn't need those things? We all do. So let me ask, who is the neighbor, the friend, the coworker, the family member who needs you to do what Philip did for Nathaniel? Who's the family member, friend, co-worker, neighbor who needs you to do what Albert McCain did for Billy Graham? Come and see. What I would love to challenge all of us to do is for the next four weeks to pray for three people, three or four people. Who are the three or four people in your life that you would, because you love them, because you care about them, um, you would love for them to encounter Jesus? Would you commit to praying for three, right now, like on your phone, on a sheet of paper, start to write some names down. And think to yourself, who is it that I would love to see encounter Jesus? As we think about that, let me also challenge you, and hopefully this doesn't feel too gimmicky because it, it actually works for me. So if it doesn't work for you and it feels weird, don't do it. But if you would like to, uh, for the next four weeks, I'm setting my alarm um, for 11.02 a.m., 11.02. And the reason I'm doing that is because I... Um, I want to remember at 11.02 to pray for my friends. Now, why 11.02? Because Luke 11, chapter 2, we read Jesus command his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to see God's kingdom come and God's will be done in the life of my three friends. Um, And every day at 11.02, um, my alarm's going to go off on my phone, and I did it Monday to Saturday so that on Sunday at the 11 o'clock for you guys, my alarm doesn't go off, but, um, but uh, that every day, Monday to Saturday at 1102 to pray for my friends, and you can join me in that. How cool to think that hundreds of us across our city at 1102 are just pausing to pray for our friends, that they would come to know Jesus. Now, some of you know here at North Langley, the primary way we introduce people to Jesus is through a course called the Alpha Course. And the Alpha course is an eight-week course designed to introduce people to Jesus. Uh, every Wednesday night, starting this fall uh, on September 27th, we gather around a table with others. We share a good meal. We watch some videos that introduce us to the basics of Christianity, and then we have a discussion where all questions are accepted, and uh, and it's and we just get a great dialogue going. But here's some of the big topics we address. We talk about who is Jesus. Why did Jesus have to die? What does it mean to have faith? How do I read my Bible? How do I pray? Um, Some really great questions. And so I want to play this short alpha video right now just to introduce you, and then I'll introduce you to two of my friends.
1: Life moves fast, doesn't it? Every day, there's so much to fit in. But do you ever stop and think, what's the point of it all? Do you ever ask yourself, is there more to life than this? Alpha is a space to explore the big questions, to say what you think, and hear the people's points of view. It's a series of sessions exploring life, faith, and meaning. First up, there's food, then a talk, followed by discussion. Each talk explores a different aspect of the Christian faith and then in small group, you get to say exactly what you think. The aim of the talk is to spark conversation, each week unpacking a different question. There's no obligation to say anything and there's nothing you can't say, seriously. It's an opportunity to hear from others and share your own perspective in an honest, friendly, and open environment. Why not try it out?
0: Okay, uh, I would love to invite my friend, Laura, up on stage. Laura, can we welcome Laura as she comes up? Laura, thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, my wife and I have had uh, the joy of getting to know Laura the last couple years and just to watch what Jesus is doing in your life, which is pretty awesome. And um, actually, I didn't mention this in the first service, but. Uh, Tanya and I went to a conference, an Alpha conference in London this year, and at the same time, Laura was in London, so we got to go to the conference together, yeah. and it just hence felt like... The shirt. Hence the shirt. Yeah. yeah. Ask me about Alpha. So um, anyway, Laura, do you want to just share a little bit about sure. your journey with Jesus? Like, were you in church a couple years ago, and then what God has done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give us the tip of the iceberg.
2: Sure. Um, so I grew up in England. And uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian family, but I did attend a Christian boarding school for about seven years. Um, and I would say my experience of that was, even though I learned about God, it was more corrective rather than love. Um, and so when I left there, um, I didn't pursue faith and or God or a relationship with Jesus. Um, and then I moved to Canada three years ago, um, and I moved in with a family who attended here, North Langley. Um, and they were the ones who invited me to Alpha, specifically Christy. Although it was also James's idea, her husband, but um, he made her do it. So, um, <laughs> and, right. um, yeah, so um, that was how I first came to hear about Alpha. And so when she invited me, I just signed up and came, which was a little bit strange for me. I w- wasn't really sure why I was doing that. But um, about two years ago, a family member of mine had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so I'd started to ask those kind of big like questions about like suffering and what happens when we die. Um, and so I knew Alpha was a place to ask those questions. And yeah, so I just kind of showed up. I sat in my car for a long time, considering whether to come in. I had a lot of preconceptions about what church would be and the people here would be. Um, and then I came in and the first person I met was Rick, who you're gonna meet in a second, um, and his mother, Heather, and they were so welcoming and kind. Um, and yeah, every week I just felt like I was able to ask any questions I had, and I had a lot of them. I was definitely like the most skeptical out of my group. And um, yeah, and then um, I somehow managed to miss that um, Alpha, if you've never like, watched it or attended, actually was founded in England. Um, and so I'd missed that. So when the videos first came on, I was like, great, he's British, brownie points, it'll be fine. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I found it to be a place where I was just, I really experienced a lot of love from the community and that really helped me to find my way. Um, And I used to think that was like a big moment where you would just come to know God, I guess. Um, But for me, there was lots of small moments. So I'll share really fast one small moment, um, which was after an Alpha um, session talk video, um, there was we were talking about suffering, which I think can be a hard one for a lot of people. Why do we suffer? Why is there pain? And um, I had gone home and prayed for the first time. And um, Christy, who had invited me, she'd also gifted me a Bible. And um, so I prayed and I felt cool to open my Bible at the time. And I had my eyes shut and um, I was praying about how God could forgive me if I was struggling to forgive someone who had hurt me and so I like closed my eyes, and I felt a bit silly doing it, and then I put my finger down on the page that I had opened. And when I opened my eyes, it was um, from Luke 5, and it said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I think that was my first moment of like recognizing and experiencing God being with me or witnessing that moment with me. Um, yeah, that was kind of the start of me getting so to good. know him. Yeah. I
0: love that, And that the heart of it is forgiveness of sin. and. And Laura, it has been such a joy just to watch you continue to, to grow in faith. And, but if you could, could you go back to that Philip Nathaniel moment? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell that moment when Christy invited you? Like, Describe that. How did she feel? How did you feel when mm-hmm. she made the invite?
2: Yeah. I think she was really nervous because... She's my friend and like pseudo family member, but also my boss. So there was like (laughs) layers into that. Um, But so um, we were on holiday together and I had been asking them questions pretty much since I had arrived in Canada Um, and they were always so kind and they would always like have time and space to talk to me, um, even though we had completely different opinions. Um, And so, yeah, we were on holiday and she has told me since that she had felt like she was praying for me and she just felt this weird like urge to invite me to Alpha. And so um, we were walking to the beach and she was just like, hey, would you wanna come to Alpha? She explained what it was. And then she sent me like the link to the video, which I didn't watch, I just signed up and showed up. Um, And yeah, and that was kind of like the initial moment. And I think now like looking back at that, like I just have so much gratitude that she was brave enough to ask me because um, now being on the other side where it's like my turn to invite somebody too, um, I know there's like that feeling of risk, or how will it be received? But I think my experience of it was that she cared enough to ask, for starters. Yeah. And also that I think God doesn't overwhelm us. Like, my experience is that He's met me with kindness wherever I've been along in my journey. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how Matthew said about the three, four people that you might be thinking of, I think those people haven't been placed in your mind by coincidence. Like, I think that. That's already God moving in their lives, and so, yeah, I would urge you just to ask them to come and see, and it might change their life. It did for me. So, totally.
0: And you're you're helping with Alpha this fall, Mm -hmm. and you've been a middle school leader, youth Mm -hmm. leader. It's just unreal. So (laughs) it's so fun to watch what Jesus is doing in your life. Yeah. Thanks, Laura. Can we thank Laura? And I want to invite my friend Rick up. Rick, come on up. Guys, this is Rick, and uh, Rick has been a, a friend for the last few years, and Rick. We got to know each other a few years ago, and uh, Rick, you wanna just share a little bit of your story? Uh,
3: with yeah, 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 and thank you, Laura. I struck that I one of the joys of being here was that I got to serve with my mom. Um, she's no longer with us, she lives in Edmonton. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> I had to, no. sorry. So, so Rick, do you, yeah, just share a little bit of like <laughs> where you were at, <laughs> encountering the Lord, and so on and so forth,
3: tip of the iceberg. uh, Yeah. So when I arrived here in North Langley, um, I had been in recovery about three years, free from drugs and alcohol. Somehow I had done it without God. Um, I hadn't acknowledged God, although now I see God in all those details. And uh, yeah, I ended up at an alpha course here and, Uh, You know, I had this amazing, uh, I was introduced to Matthew, and Matthew introduced me to this amazing young man named Kelvin Belanger. And if anybody's family member's here, thank you so much for how he impacted my life. He works overseas now with his family. And uh, he just listened to my questions and guided me through the process. And uh, I think it's about week five when they do reading the Bible. And uh, during the reading the Bible segment, we read through a piece of scripture, And I I just fell in love with reading the Bible, and I was given a Bible that night, and I've read the Bible every day since then. And uh, just, I fell in love with Jesus through reading the Gospels, the person of Jesus, and like we do here at church. And I fell in love with the church itself, uh, just how welcoming you all made me feel through that experience. And you know, uh, right after Alpha, I got really sick, and I got to see the healing of Jesus in my own life and experience the love of the church coming around and surrounding me. And uh, since then, I got baptized. I, uh, I get to go to Bible college now. I went to Matthew at some point and said, I think I'm being led to preach. And he said, well, you go to Columbia, Columbia Bible College now. And I've gone there ever since, and I'm three, uh, three semesters away from completing that degree with God's help. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I've uh, I've served here at North Langley since day one. I've served with Alpha. It was one of my favorites. I currently serve with Freedom Session, uh, and I have the op- I have so many opportunities. Uh, I have. Uh, I currently work as a chaplain at the Salvation Army in Ridge Meadows, and uh, I just get to spend time with all of you and the Lord.
0: Amazing. And Rick, you uh, would would you you know uh, would you have called yourself um, before coming to North Langley um, antagonistic towards Christianity or uh, open or where where were you kind of at? with Christianity.
3: Yeah, so as I look back, I have this aunt who was always praying in the background for me. Keep praying for your family members, mm. keep praying for your loved ones. It was uh, when they lowered the man down to meet Jesus, it was the faith of his friends. But uh, I probably just didn't think God existed. It didn't yeah. matter. It wasn't arguable. It was just some like, "Oh great, yeah. you have an imaginary friend. I have imaginary friends too." Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it just was a non-issue for me.
0: But but what change was an invitation. And can you tell us a little bit about the people who invited you?
3: Yeah, Dan and Santa, Cindy Vanderhoek. They were—they had been good friends of mine for three years, and they had invited me into their lives to share. Uh, they invited me in to share at their dinner table. And at some point early on in the relationship, I said, I just don't believe, and it's not going to change. And they said, okay. But they continued to invite me into their lives, and they never pressured me with anything. But uh, at some point, I recognized that I was missing something spiritually. I knew that there was like, like a component missy in my life. I just wasn't content, that contentness you get from God. And uh, Dan, over the period of a summer, just kind of peppered, you know, sprinkled Jesus into my life, and, hey, how about this, how about that? And uh, one day we were at a 50th birthday party, and he said, will you come to church with me tomorrow? I need you to help me with something. And I said, yeah, as long as we go to the early service so I can watch football. And yeah, that's uh, right. That's still the case. I still come to the early service so I can watch football. <laughs> but uh, something happened that day. I just saw God working through myself and through Dan in a variety of ways, and I just, you know, I fell in love with uh, the church itself, you know. Yeah, our home, as Aaron yeah. put it this yeah. morning, our home.
0: Well, Rick, we love you, and we're just so grateful for all that God is doing in your life and what you're doing here using your gifts. So, um, we just praise God for, for you. Yeah, yeah, I love you all, too. Oh, okay, thanks Rick. Thank you. My hope is that stories like these that we're going to hear throughout the next few weeks will inspire you to be thinking about who the Holy Spirit is prompting you to pray for. Um, who is the Holy Spirit prompting you to invite to a course like Alpha? Um, who's on your heart? Uh, Tim Keller, who recently passed away, pastor from New York, he he, he writes this. He says Michael Green estimates that 80 percent or more of evangelism in the early church was done not by ministers or evangelists, but by ordinary Christians explaining themselves to their network of relatives and close associates. People paid attention to the gospel because someone they knew well, worked with, and perhaps loved, spoke to them about it. It's all about this relationship of love that you have with someone else. So who are people going to pay attention to? To you. To me. To us. To to those that that love us, that we love them. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. I love what Daryl Johnson says about evangelism. He says this, evangelism is simply joining into a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. And the question you and I have to ask is, what is God already doing in the lives of our friends? How is he already moving and working? And some of you here, as you're coming to know Jesus, the question is, what is God already doing in you as you are beginning to taste and see the love of God? So there's a risk here. There's a risk. And uh, we want to pray right now. Take a quiet moment to just pray for the next few weeks, and what what it looks like for us to love those around us. So would you close your eyes, just join me in prayer, and we're just going to ask Jesus to move in the lives of our friends. And so these three or four friends that came to mind, would you in a quiet moment here lift their names up to the King and pray that in the next number of weeks, God would be moving in their lives. And so we just want to take this moment, Jesus, in a prayerful way. We just come before you knowing that you love our friends. You see the love we have for them, and we pray in your mercy that they would come to know your love. Northangley, as we think of these names that come to mind, be reminded of this. In John 12, Jesus says this, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus is drawing the world to himself, and he does it at the cross of Christ. And we're going to remember his body given for us and his blood shed for us. And so would you take the bread and the cup and um, our ushers will walk up and down the line here. And if anyone's forgotten, um, you can just lift up your hand and they'll pass you uh, the bread and the cup. But we're coming to remember the cross. The moment Jesus laid his life down for the world with such love.